So, guys, uh, in our last talk, we looked a little bit about um, how uh, God is the God of relationships and how he wants relationship with us. And I talked about how if we ask God for forgiveness and to be in our life, then we know that we're going to heaven. And that's great. But then you've got to ask yourself the question, all right, Sid, that's great, but is the rest of my life sort of a, a holy waiting room? Waiting to die, and then one day I'll go to heaven. Well, fortunately, the answer is no, because uh, we all hate waiting rooms, unless there's any, there's anyone here whose hobby it is to go around sitting in waiting rooms? No, good, okay, because obviously for you, this wouldn't work anymore. You'd be like, what are you talking about? I love waiting rooms. I like the little plastic pile of children's toys in the corner that have all been dribbled on a thousand times. I like the little coffee table from Ikea uh, with uh, gardening magazines. What is it about that? You know, you go to the dentist, and maybe it's different in Guernsey, but everywhere else I've been to the dentist, you sit there with children's toys or gardening magazines. Now, I know I'm 28, right? But gardening magazines are so boring that I start to think, is anyone looking? Maybe I'll play with the children's toys. That's how boring waiting rooms are. Um, so there we go. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's my experience of waiting rooms. Uh, good. So the good news is God doesn't expect us to go, okay, thanks, God. Well, I'll see you whenever. Uh, God actually wants a relationship with us now. He's got a whole uh, load of stuff. And the uh, Bible talks about how God has got good plans and he's got uh, good plans for our lives, but he's also got a life of good works planned out already for us to do. It's a weird idea that kind of like, obviously we have choice, but once we choose to follow God, it's like, well, hey, if you want to, I've got this to do, and then I've got this thing to do, and I've got this thing to do. Which means that life can be an adventure. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but I, often when I've watched a film, I come out of the cinema, like, it, I know I'm a bit of a geek, but I watch James Bond or something, and I come out of the cinema with this walk. I could kill any of you. You, I could break your neck. I'm not going to, but I could. I've just saved the world. I could, I could, I could save the world, but you don't know because I'm a secret agent. I'd like a t-shirt. I had a youth worker who had a t-shirt that said, undercover police on it. And kids used to quite regularly come up to him and go, are you really undercover police? She'd be like, well, no, because I probably wouldn't have undercover police written on here. Anyway, but anyway, I feel like that. When I've been to a film, I'm like, yeah. And then I get in the car and I go home and realize that I live a fairly normal life in normal suburbs. And nothing very dangerous or super exciting happens. And I'm like, oh, I don't even own a gun. That's a good thing. But, I, but at times, I want to be the guy who saves the world. Does anyone else know that feeling? You're not going to admit to it. Has anyone done the, the cinema walk where you walk out like the hero? Yes. Yeah. So quite a few of the boys, mostly the boys. Have you done the cinema walk? Where in your head you're the main character and everyone's, yeah, absolutely, it's good. And there's a reason for this. And the reason is that we kind of hope for this adventure. We're like, hopefully there's more to life than just sort of just getting a job and then settling down and staying in that job for a long time and then retiring and getting a nice watch from the people I retired from and then having a vegetable patch and then dying. <laughs> hopefully there's more. And we think, God... 
man, there must be some purpose, there must be some adventure, something exciting out there. And, and, that's, uh, and that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about today. Now then, uh, yes, I wanted to tell you about my life. Because I told you at 12 that I became a Christian. And uh, then there was a little while where I was like, okay, being a Christian is all right, it's quite good. And then uh, I got to 18 and I went to this event uh, called Soul Survivor. Has anyone been Soul Survivor? Oh, okay. Quite a few have been Soul Survivor. And uh, I was 18 years old, and uh, this doesn't normally happen to me, but I found myself on my back. And I was like, oh, this is not normal. And then, uh, as if that wasn't enough weirdness for one evening, uh, I saw pictures like watching TV. I saw a vision. I know that sounds really weird, and it is really weird, and it really happened. And uh, it was kind of like watching telly, and I saw, like, First of all, I saw deprived young people, like uh, from a really rough like council estate or something, and then I saw uh, a picture of uh, a homeless guy, and then I saw a final picture of a woman in prostitution, and every time in my head I was thinking, "Huh, well that's kind of sad, but I don't know them," but out of out of me was coming this screaming almost, I was like this ah anguish. And I thought, this is really weird, because I don't feel like that. But it became really obvious that God was saying, yeah, but this is how I feel about those people. I want them to know that I love them. I want them to know that I care about them. And so I went out of that, uh, that event. I literally walked out of this big tent that we were in doing this sort of uh, worship event. And uh, again, I gave you some non-relationship advice earlier. And this is not necessarily good advice on how to plan your futures, okay? So don't necessarily... You were writing. Stop writing. Because (laughs) someone was writing. Stop writing. Oh, it was you. Okay. Because this is not the best way to plan your future. So what I did was I was like, God, I was going to be a graphic designer. But you obviously want me to work with people. And I've just been offered a, a, a place at a really good art college where only half of the people get in. Ah, so what do you want me to do? This is a dangerous question to ask God, isn't it? And he, the only thing that I could find was a flyer in the mud. And again, not the best way to plan a future, but on the flyer, on one side was uh, like a, an evangelist and a youth worker training course that was happening in Manchester. And that was called Accelerate. Although... More recently, it's been called Genetic, and Lisa and Dave went and did it. So that's kind of cool. And that's how I know Lisa and Dave. Uh, And then on the other side of the flyer, so this is a a double-sided flyer, there was uh, this thing called Eden, which is where you you actually move in to one of Britain's most tough council estates, and you live there, and it's really difficult, which is a big deal, because I lived in Surrey, which is the place in Britain with the least crime. <laughs> it's the sort of place where you can leave your door open, and it's okay. And uh, probably a bit like Guernsey, actually. And uh, so I was just like, God, is this what you want me to do? I was like, okay, I don't know. Well, all right, I'm going to go. And uh, I went to hear this guy called Andy speak. And Andy uh, ran, runs this thing called, in Manchester called the Message Trust. And uh, I, I actually work for Andy now. Um, at the message trust, but I didn't at the time. And I said, all right, I'm going to go and listen to Andy speak. And Andy spoke very well about lots of Christian things. And then at the end, I was like, but none of it has answered my question. So I went up to Andy and said, Andy, 
I'm thinking maybe I should join Eden. I don't know. But I think I'm also supposed to go to art college. What shall I do? And he went, eh, go to art college for a year and then, uh, you know, come back and see if you want to join Eden. So I thought, okay, that sounds like a plan. And then he said, however, are you coming up to Manchester next week to do this big thing? I'm doing this big thing. They had 6,000 people camped in a park in Manchester. And they had like 520 projects all across the city doing amazing like community work and stuff. And uh, I said, yeah, I'll come. I was going to go anyway, but it made me look good. You know. So I said, yeah, I'm, co I'm coming to that. And he says, great, that'll nail it for you. And then he turned around and talked to someone else. I was like, that'll nail it for you. What do you mean? So I went. And uh, a week later, there I was, camping in a field in Manchester. Actually, <laughs> it's quite a good story. There was these porter cabins and, uh, for going to the loo. All my stories are based around the toilet. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I went in, and I relieved myself. That's the polite way to say I had a poo. And then, but I can't say that on stage, obviously. Uh, and then I had one of those belts that were really cool for a while, where instead of a normal buckle, they had a bar that pulls across. Did you ever see those? Yeah, maybe, maybe not, not really sure. OK. Uh, and what happened was, while I was sat on the loo, my trousers were in this area, and uh, then what, somehow I'd managed to tighten the belt, and, and it got jammed. So this isn't part of God's plan for my life, um, but it happened. And, and I essentially I'd managed to tie my legs together at the ankles without trousers. So... And this was made more of a problem because I was in a field in the middle of Manchester and there was 20 people queuing outside going, what's taking him so long? And I'm in there going, oh man, this, just, this can't be happening to me. I couldn't even get them off, you know, because at least then I could run quickly to my tent. So I was like, you know, obviously option one is get trousers back on, walk casually, no one knows. Option two is run half-naked to my tent, but at least it's quick. They might be like, who is that? I didn't see his face. It was blurry. <laughs> option three is my least favorite option is this. <laughs> anyway, that nearly happened, but thankfully it came loose. But people must have wondered, why was I in there so long? I was telling my, my wife I should tell this story. She said, well, don't tell it because it's not funny because it didn't actually happen to you. Um, but had I actually had to hop back to the tent, that would have been a, a much better story. I should have lied to you. And you'd have been like, yeah, it's so funny. But I don't want to lie to you. Anyway, so that's, that's got nothing to do with anything. Forget that. Cool. So uh, <laughs> I, was this, I was in this thing in Manchester. And uh, like I told you, there was uh, two, uh, yeah, 520 projects around the city. And I'm asking this question, God, should I do Eden or this Accelerate training course? Or am I just barking up the wrong tree completely? And... Uh, but you know what? When you put your life in God's hands and say, I'm really genuinely, I'm up for anything, God. Are you calling me? He tends to, unfortunately, answer you and go, yeah, all right, then. Come and do this mad thing. <laughs> so you've got, to be, you've got to be serious. You know, you've got, okay, God, I'm really up for this. And uh, so I got put in the only project out of 520 where the guys from the Accelerate course were working on this street. And I was like, okay, so that's a one in 520 chance. So that's quite good going. So I got to know these guys. And by the end of the week, they were like, man, you'd be really good for the course. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I feel like maybe God's saying that. And uh, so uh, I applied. I did go to art college, which was quite good. I told some of my friends about God, and that was nice. And then I went and did this course, and it really changed my life. And I was thinking, man, uh, because at the end of my year in art college, they offered me a really good degree in graphic design. And by now, 
I would probably be earning a lot of money. But, you know, it's okay. I did what God said. So I did this other thing. And do you know what? I don't ever look back and think, oh, but I could be sat in an office somewhere earning lots of money, designing cornflakes packets or CD inlays or whatever. I never do that. But if I'd gone for that, I'd probably be sat there going, I wonder what adventure God would have took me on, you know? So I'm really glad that I decided to go with the adventure that God has for us. Because actually that's what we have deep down. We want the adventure, don't we? And so from there, uh, I went and did that course, and that really changed my life. And I saw some crazy things, and I got to pray with some people and see people get healed from stuff. And I was like, wow, this is mad. This is really exciting. And then, and then the funniest thing is that I ended up doing Eden as well. So I went back down south uh, to live in Woking for nine months where I ran an event just like Resonate, but we called it Amplify. I don't know. Uh, and that was really good fun. But God kept saying to me, no, I want you to go do Eden. So my time there was limited. Went back to Manchester. And then uh, we did this thing and literally moved into what at the time was the m- most deprived estate in uh, England and Wales. And it was rough, guys. Like, there, were, there were real gangs. <laughs> and uh, it was quite risky. Um, and, uh, yeah, I wrestled a knife off a kid once. And uh, one time... There was this guy with a gun, so that was interesting. And there's another time where I had to hold someone's hand because they'd had fingers chopped off, and I had to try and stop the bleeding. And like, you had all this stuff that became a bit more normal than it used to be. And then, at the same time, God was doing all these beautiful things in people's lives and changing people who were in a mess and doing something awesome. And it became such a privilege to be part of a mess, really. And uh, I'd gone from living in Surrey where my next-door neighbours, I'd have to walk 40 metres to their next door, to a house in Manchester where I didn't have to leave my house to knock on next door. It was that squished together. And I had friends who were drug addicts and who were struggling with alcohol and all this. And, And the whole thing somehow was beautiful that God called me to be part of that. And to share life, and we started to have homeless guys come stay with us. Or, uh, and then we ended up fostering uh, some kids. I had a friend called Karis who, uh, who lived in this two-bedroom house that was really, really rubbish. And her rent wasn't much, but she couldn't afford it. And, uh, and then one day, to make things worse, the roof actually fell in. <laughs> so on one half of the house, there was no roof. And uh, the landlord didn't even fix it. This is how rubbish it was. So... We said to Karis, mate, you can't live there. That's terrible. You shouldn't be paying rent for a house with no roof. You know, you might as well sit outside. And it was in the winter, so it was really cold. So Karis did this thing where she chose to live by faith. And she said, God, I can't afford a two-bedroom house. So by faith, by trusting in you, I'm going to rent out a six-bedroom house. So obviously not logical, but she knew that God was good and was faithful. So she rented out this six-bedroom house. And for a year, she lived there. And the money came in through different ways for all the bills. And she took in with her uh, three different girls who had come from really abusive homes and really, really difficult situations. So girls who were desperate to leave really, uh, some really nasty situations went to live with Karis. And by the end of that year, every last one of those girls had their own house to go and live in. They were employed. They'd become Christians and they're part of church. Isn't that amazing? And it's because sometimes uh, we have to do something a bit daft, something that's adventurous. But you know what? You see something beautiful at the end of it. And, And faith is a bit like that. We have to say, okay, God, I trust in you. I know that you're good. I know you've got an adventure and a plan and a purpose for my life. And uh, God takes you to different places. Uh, I got to go to Northern Ireland for a little bit, and that was really exciting. Got to meet some 
paramilitaries, which are people like the IRA and stuff like that. So that was quite exciting to meet those guys and talk to them a bit about God. <laughs> um, I actually met their enemies for the UDF, but they were equally mental. Uh, but that was cool. And, and then God, uh, completely unplanned again by me, took me and six boys to Kenya. And I took these lads who'd never been... So they finished school in year six and then just gave up. And by this point, I'd met them at 21. And these lads, and I felt like God was saying, look, I want you to employ them, which is mad because I didn't know how to do that. So I started a company doing construction. And uh, again, it was ridiculous. And, and I had no money and I had no income. Uh, and I chose not to take benefits because really there was lots of jobs I could have got, but I'd chosen not to. So what I did was genuinely said, God, I'm going to need you to provide for me literally for ev- everything. And do you know what? For two and a half years, I never went hungry. I never couldn't pay the rent. I never couldn't pay the bills on time. It was on time, you know. And uh, it's just what Alex was saying about living by faith with the band. God is genuinely reliable. (laughs) He's a good manager. He's a good boss. He doesn't leave you going, oh, sorry, mate, there's some money. Just mad things happened. Even one day when all I had left was some bread and butter. and, uh, And I was like, God... I've never been left without food. I don't understand. I need something for my sandwich. You've never, ever let me down. I don't understand what's going on. So I thought, okay, well, I'm hungry. So I need to do something to distract from the fact that I'm hungry this lunchtime and there's no food. So I went to the front door to see if any post had come. Honestly, I just went just to distract myself. I went and, and I'd been in the kitchen saying, God, all I want is like a ham sandwich. One of my neighbors who isn't a Christian had posted me ham. <laughs> So, and for a while, I wasn't sure who it was either. But I found out it was my mate Owen, two doors down. I was like, Owen, why did you post me ham? Thought it'd be funny. (laughs) You see? (laughs) Owen's like this silly electrician. (laughs) And and what, the, the fact is that God will always provide for you even if it's through a silly electrician called Owen. Like, uh, he will do, he'll do what it takes to look after people who want to follow him. And, uh, Anyway, I think he let me get there because God was like, this is going to be really funny. (laughs) He wasn't like, oh, I will test it to the limit and see how good and faithful he is. No, God's not like that. He's like, this will be fun. That's that's what God's character is like. Some of us think that God is a bit grumpy and hard to please. Guys, the fact is God is in a good mood. Sometimes that's a surprise. God's in a good mood? Oh, I thought he was continually angry with us. No, he's not. That's a load of rubbish. And uh, there's been a few other things that, like, uh, God has provided for. Like, so when we went to Kenya, we needed 11 grand. Bearing in mind, uh, we were technically unemployed, although <laughs> I was employing these guys and taking them. And I had to learn how to do joinery, painting and decorating, plastering, uh, landscaping, and several other things to take these lads who'd never been to secondary school and were dealing drugs. And I said to them, if you stop dealing drugs, you can work for me. That's the deal. And because actually they didn't want to do that, they were like, all right. And somehow God provided, and we got a load of these guys into jobs and apprenticeships and things that they didn't really qualify for, but God's good. And, uh, and then we went to Kenya, and it was a mad idea. It was my, my friend Des, who's a nutcase, who's spent 20 years in prison and then became a Christian. And so to him, it seemed like a good idea. Let's go to Kenya. <laughs> I was like, okay. We needed 11 grand. And uh, I remember with, um, see, just even cycled from London to Paris with my brother, which seemed, again, it didn't look very far on the map. It was about that far. But it turned out to be a lot further. Uh, anyway, 
So just all these things were exciting. All this stuff was adventure. All this stuff was things that my best idea, my best idea of what life could be was kind of, well, I'll get a, you know, get a stable job and I'll, I'll hopefully get married and that'll be that. And yet, as you heard from Tess, even us getting married, I would have totally messed that up. Because <laughs> I didn't know what he wanted. I, I, I was indecisive. And yet God was like, nope, I know what's best for you. I'm going to make sure this happens. And um, so God's trustworthy and he's reliable and he's good. Um, so uh, I wanted to say just a few things to you. Not much because I'm aware that you've heard so much stuff today. But I wanted to tell you that life is meant to be an adventure. Um, that actually uh, there's, there is a danger that we try and fill that that hole and that need for adventure with the wrong things. So this is kind of a serious moment. But um, in Manchester, I saw a lot of it with boys in gangs, and I've seen it with my work in Liverpool as well, is that boys often think... Boy, they don't go out thinking, I'm going to be a bad guy and stab someone up, and I'm going to just go around being evil. No one has that ambition, you know? But what they wanted was to be part of something bigger than themselves. They wanted to belong to an idea. They wanted to belong to a group of guys who were achieving something, who were going somewhere. And we all kind of want that. So you can see how they ended up in a gang because they wanted adventure, but it was misplaced. They'd found it in the wrong place. Some people just go on an adventure of how much money can I earn, and that's their adventure. Some people, it's sex. It's like, ah, if I, you know, if I get involved in that enough, maybe then I'll be satisfied. For some people, it's taking drugs and seeing what crazy things happen. For other people, it's just reckless behavior, just being mental and like, I don't know, driving your, your car at a million miles an hour and just seeing what will happen. And, and actually, that's dangerous to you and others. And then for some people, it's just getting drunk and just seeing where, seeing where the night goes. You know? But all of that, guys, it, it's not proper adventure. It's not the real deal. You're selling yourself short if that's where you go for your buzz, you know? That's, that's all in search of a buzz, isn't it? A feeling or something of like, oh, something's happening. And actually, there's a lot of things that we fill our lives with to try and sort of fill that, that hole as well, that longing for something meaningful. And, uh, and some of it is pretty harmless, you know, careers and traveling around the world and having your own ambitions and wanting to achieve things. All of that's good. And a lot of that desire actually comes from God because he makes us creative. He makes us people who want to achieve things. And that's okay. But none of them uh, really cut it when it comes to filling that kind of God-shaped hole. Um, and the feelings, that, the good feelings that come from those things are, are fine, but they don't last. And, uh, and sometimes, some of these things, they will leave you feeling hollow or used or hurt or just simply disappointed. And I don't want you guys to feel disappointed with your life. I don't want you to get to a point where you're like, man, there must be more. What's this all about? Well, guys, it's, it's kind of because none of it fits that God-shaped hole. And that, uh, yeah, it just it means following God and just trying to be like him. Uh, not just praying a prayer once, but going, okay, God, I want to follow you on the adventure, on the relationship that you've got. And the good news, guys, is this, is that what I've found is, even though I probably mess up more times than I get it right. And I probably chicken out more times than I do the mad stuff. And even though I get things wrong, what I've found is, and I can honestly say this, is that it does fulfill you. Friendship with God does fulfill. Um, it is the best, the best high. <laughs> I've worked, because we do a lot of work in prisons in Manchester, the amount of guys that I meet who've tried every drug under the sun 
who then we just pray with them once and they feel Jesus and they're like, man, that was better than any drug. And it was free and it was actually good for you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and you see that, guys, God has got a life of good works plan in advance for you to do. God is patient and he's gracious and he actually knows all the mistakes you're going to make. So don't worry about that. He can see your whole life. He knows everything you can do wrong. And he still decided he loves you and is going to die for you. So it's okay. So I wanted to do something with this stuff here. <clears throat> I don't know if you can see this. But um, I've got two glasses of water here. These belong to Dave. And he doesn't know, but I've pinched them from his house. Sorry, mate. These are his two beer glasses. Who needs two beer glasses, Dave? Is that one for each hand or what? I Okay. Probably shouldn't ask about that. Okay. No, he's a good guy. <laughs> uh, it's one of those childproof things. What is it? I'll tell you in a minute. I think it makes more sense if we go this way around. So I want you to imagine with me that this glass represents something, okay? So this one is going to represent the world. And by the world, I just mean the place and the people and everything in it. Uh, and then this one here is going to represent Jesus. Is that okay? It's a very simple analogy. Okay. What is it? It's, uh, it's a photo developer, but that's not important. So here we go. We're going to have to use our imaginations. This little man is looking like he needs ironing. Because <laughs> I cut him out of one of Lisa's tea towels. Thanks, Lisa. Uh, this little man's going to represent... Uh, all of us, okay? You and me, or girls. It could be a girl with very short hair. Uh, and we're, we're all... Uh, sorry. We all do things wrong. So here we go. This stuff is just iodine. And when I put it on, every time we do something wrong, it's like it's a mark on us. It's like some kind of stain on our character or, or on our soul, if you like. We feel bad about it. We kind of know we've messed up. We kind of know we need that forgiveness that we talked about before and that Malachi talked about yesterday. This is very hard with a handheld mic. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, it, it, it's not good news. We feel like somehow inside um, we're kind of dirty. And, uh, and then the trouble is when, when we're selfish and, and we do that whole thing of sin and miss the mark and don't live in God's way, it affects the world around us a little bit. Uh, because I guess we argue with people and we become selfish. And selfishness doesn't just hurt me or God, but it also, these jars are really tall. <laughs> ah, this would be really funny if I can't get it out. No, it's okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You see, guys, it also hurts the world around us. This is a little bit cheesy, but it's, it's also really good. Uh, so I guess what I'm trying to say is sin doesn't just damage our relationship with God. It damages the relationship with other people around us. And uh, then if we ask Jesus for forgiveness, the wonderful thing is that uh, not only does he forgive us and make us clean. Um, oh, this is very difficult. Next time I'm going to do this with short bowls. <laughs> anyway, there we go. The important thing is that... Uh, we're now clean again and forgiven. And the beautiful thing is that it doesn't end there. God wants us to do good things in the world around us to help make the world a better place. See what I've done there? 
It's very clever, isn't it? So the, the world is clean again. And so following God is not just about a personal relationship with God, but it also becomes about the people around you. And so you get to become good news to other people, which I think is really exciting. This glass is just because I need to clean my hand. But I think that's really exciting, is that we can become good news to other people around us. And, and so all these things are important, but the relationship bit's by far the most exciting, you know? Relationship with God, purpose in your life, and... Uh, and relationships are amazing, aren't they? You know, like, uh, th- that's why I love my wife so much. It's because relationships are so important. That's why I feel so much for her. That's why, actually, I can't wait to get back to Kenya because the kids out there in the schools that we work in, uh, I just, I can't wait to see them again and help them out. You know, relationship, for me, it's far more important than anything else, more important than money, more important than my achievements and things. And so God invites you into a relationship and an adventure. And for each of you, that will be different. Which is kind of fun, isn't it? You know, every single last one of you, there's a purpose that's just cut out for you. Um, So I want to encourage you that you are unique and you're there with a purpose. Um, Cool, man. Well, I should probably wind up because I've been a long time. Um, But I want to do something that's just for maybe a few special people here. Sorry, Tess, you're going to have to wash my trousers later. Okay. So, uh, can you, someone as a volunteer, come and help me out? Okay, cool. Up you come. You got five pounds and you got to help me on stage today. You could travel around with me. We could just go around telling people about Jesus and you could make lots of money out of me. Good. Okay. Can you hold this microphone for me? Great. Nice one. Okay. So, there's a few special people here, I think, tonight that think, man, everything you said, Sid, sounds great. But I feel like I'm too bad for God to love me. You've heard everything I've said about God genuinely loves you no matter what you do. But it just seems too good to be true. And so imagine this piece of paper represents all the stuff you've done wrong. There it is. And you might think, okay, I want to change. I want to become a better person. It's a long process. Uh, It's a painful process. It's okay. I'm a professional. I'm a professional. I'm a professional bus driver, so that doesn't help. Uh, and look, it's taken a while, and it's still taking time. And actually, it's quite smoky, isn't it? Yes. No? It's quite smoky. Yeah, it's quite smoky. And there's still a load of ash left. Thank you. And um, <laughs> what we find is trying to change on our own is a difficult process, okay? Trying to become better is really hard. It takes time. We have habits that we're working through. And... Uh, and even when, if you, I mean, I don't think anyone could ever do this, but even if you could become perfect, it still wouldn't deal with the fact that you've done stuff in the past. And I guess this ash and this smoke could represent the things that we still regret. And so we still definitely need God's forgiveness. Now, what I want to show you is that, although as a Christian, I don't think I've suddenly got it all right. Not by any means. Actually, I, I, I need God's forgiveness. What I want to show you in a second is that God's forgiveness is instant. Jesus deals with all the things, past, present, and amazingly future, that we're going to do wrong. Uh, and unlike the ash and the smoke that reminds us of what we've done wrong, the Bible says very clearly that God actually chooses to forget what we've done wrong, so that when he looks at us, we look perfect to him, just like Jesus, if we ask for his forgiveness. I think this is amazing. This is for a few of you who struggle to believe that God can forgive you. So here we go.
That's pretty cool. There's no smoke. There's no ash. You couldn't prove that it was there. It's gone. And I want you guys to get that. That, that God, uh, the Bible says that, that it's for freedom that God has set us free. And that if the Son, meaning Jesus, sets you free, then you're free indeed. God's not offering you freedom and forgiveness, but with a little bit of guilt. He's offering you the full deal. Uh, okay, cool. So I'm going to invite my friend up now. Is that okay? And uh, the fire again. Can we do the fire again? Yeah. <laughs> I should have brought more of that stuff. It's loads of fun. And uh, don't try this at home. Um, yeah. Cool. Thanks, Sid. It's okay. Okay. Do you want me to do a bit now? Yeah, is yeah. that okay? I just want to tell a really quick story about fire. Okay. And actually, during, I love fire. I really love fire. And during the worship time, I didn't know that Sid was going to burn stuff, but I just felt God saying about fire. And I feel there's a bit of a, of a battle going on tonight. I'll just ask if you could all just stand really quietly to your feet. And I want to tell you a really quick story about fire. Okay, this is a story that there's a time in the Bible when all of the Christians, all of God's people stopped believing in God. They stopped believing in Jesus. Okay? So just listen up, guys, for a second. It's a really quick story. So in the Bible, this time where all of God's people stopped believing in him is the most tragic, awful, horrific thing when they were made to worship God. And there's one guy left, one man, one brave guy called Elijah who, who says, no, I still believe in Jesus. I still believe in God. So what Elijah did was he said, okay, guys, before you kill me, I want to do a test. I want you to go over there and make a sacrifice to your God and ask him to bring fire down from heaven and burn it up. And then Elijah said, I'm going to go over here on my own and I'm going to ask my God to bring fire down from heaven. So all the people who stopped believing in God, they went over there and they were calling out to their God, Baal, saying, come on, bring fire down. They were cutting themselves. And Elijah just started laughing at them saying, is your God, is he on the toilet or is he, is he gone out or something? Where is he? And of course, nothing happened. Then Elijah, the one who believed in Jesus Christ, he got 12 barrels of water and put it on his sacrifice. And then he just quickly just called out God of Jesus Christ bring your fire. And you know what happened? Instantly, raging fire just came blasting down from heaven. This is a true story. And burnt up the water and burnt up the sacrifice. And everyone there was just literally absolutely stunned. And everyone turned back to God. And I feel there's a bit of a battle going on in every one of us tonight. In every one of your, in your heart, there is a battle. And God wants to come and show you that he's the real God. I really feel, and can we all just move forward about three steps? And if you could all close your eyes, we're going to sing again in a minute, but I really want us to act upon what Sid has been speaking out about faith tonight and going on the adventure. So if we could all close our eyes with every eye closed, I want you to try maybe if you want to lift your hands out in front of you. And I'll tell you right now, I know this because God's told me that the fire of God is here right now. And he wants to come and show you that he loves you. That Jesus Christ came to die for you and rose again for you. That you are his son. You are his daughter. And he wants you. He wants all of you, like Sid was saying, for an adventure. And it depends on one thing right now. Do you choose the real God? Or do you choose your friends? Do you choose other stuff? 
So with every eye closed, let's maybe lift our hands out to him and, and ask him, Holy Spirit, come and put your fire in me right now. If everyone could do that, then I'm going to pray for us, okay? So close your eyes, guys. Focus on Jesus. Ask him to come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Mighty God of fire who created the universe. Thank you. You sent your son to kill our sin, to pay for our sin so that we can live and that we can be on an adventure with you. And I ask you, mighty fire-breathing God, I ask that the fire of the Lord would come and would burn upon every son and daughter of God right now. That you would come and burn upon every young person, every old person. Come and burn upon us in the name of Jesus. I ask you to come, Holy Spirit. Come and burn. Keep asking him because he wants to put fire in you fire in you so when you're at school you're going to burn when you're at home you're going to burn come fire of God come Lord Jesus can what I want you to do is keep asking him because he's here we can feel his presence here already he's here we're just going to wait and we're going to wait on him and ask him to come come Holy Spirit Cheers for listening to the free download from Resonate. Please feel free to listen to the other sessions. Jesus loves you. Bye-bye. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>